Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCuber list. Let's start without any preamble except, oh god damn, I gotta say that there will be spoilers possibly. It's not a 100% chance of spoilers, but uh, in order to warn of the possibility of them, I will warn of them like I just did and am doing. Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million doll hairs. <laughs> no, neither doll hairs nor doll ours. No payment is needed, with the exception of perhaps passing the podcast on to a friend, because that is how they grow. Rating, subscribing, commenting in iTunes sure don't hoit. It don't hoit. Alright, that's enough of that. I'm going to push a button. Uh, This is one of those try-to-stick-to-the-timer episodes, FYI, or FWY. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is my dinner with Andre the Giant Princess Bride themed restaurant. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first, uh, X-Men colon Apocalypse. Oh, oh, you know what? It's got 7.2 rating on uh, the IMDA, which I'm a little surprised about because uh, I will say like many after hearing about this movie I went into it with low expectations because I didn't really hear anything good about it uh, now that being said I love all X-Men movies and anything sort of X-Men related uh, as a uh, poor excuse for a reviewer of things I tend to like most things so this I liked hey there you go rating wise uh, hell, I'd go solid four out of five. Uh, I should say that uh, Apocalypse, the bad guy, that is, is one of my favorite X-Men villains, if not my... Yeah, no, he is my favorite. Uh, this movie didn't 100% do it justice, obviously, compared to, say, from the cartoons that I knew and love and know and love. Uh, but he was he was okay. Uh, I would have liked to see it done maybe a little differently and I don't think I am alone in that fact that being said uh, if you sit down and watch an X-Men movie for the purposes of sitting down and watching an X-Men movie you're gonna like this right question mark I would assume so uh, after the re-emergence of the world's first mutant world destroyer apocalypse, the X-Men must unite to defeat his extinction level plan. See, that sounds exciting, and uh, I will say that the movie was, uh, like me a little Olivia Munn, 
in a uh, skimpy leotard as well. So, hey, that's good. Moving on to movie the second, My Dinner with Andre. This is a movie that, well, came out in 1981, the year I was born. And over the course of my 35, uh, yeah, sure, uh, 35? Yeah, 35 years on the planet, I have heard this movie mentioned probably dozens of times, if I had to guess. Uh, so I figured, hey, here it is. Why don't I actually watch it rather than just sort of hear about it? Um, it's weird. It's different. This feels more modern in some regards. Let me read the to see if that sheds any light. Uh, two old friends meet for dinner. As one tells anecdotes detailing his experiences, the other notices their differing worldviews. Uh, yeah, it's, it almost has a sort of er experimental feel to it. Like, it all takes place in a restaurant at this table of these two guys having dinner, and it's just them shooting the shit, basically. Uh, almost podcast-like, now that I think about it. Uh, stars uh, Wallace Shawn, or Wally Shawn, I have heard him called before. Uh, <laughs> he's a, you'll know him as the inconceivable guy from The Princess Bride, most likely. Uh, sort of an interesting dude. Uh, and then uh, Andre Gregory, who is the titular <laughs> Andre. Yeah, uh, would I recommend this movie to anyone? I don't know. I think you have to be in the right frame of mind to sit down and watch it and pay attention to it, which maybe I wasn't 100%. Uh, so for that reason, rating-wise, I'm going to just go like a 2. I didn't I didn't have a great amount of <laughs> fun or interest watching it, and my desire to re-watch it is basically non-existent. So i got to give it a 2. Hey, that's like a professional review, even though most people love this movie. So I don't know what I'm doing, basically. For example, Now You See Me 2, which critics and fans alike hated, I enjoyed a fair amount. Rating? 3. Hmm. 3, which, uh, if you are unfamiliar with my rating scale, means uh, I enjoyed it while watching, but wouldn't watch again. And I think that this movie fits into that category very, very well. Uh, that being said, if they make another one of these, which I think they do pretty well... Uh, I would potentially somewhere far, far down the road uh, rewatch them as a trilogy, that sort of idea. Or maybe just the first two if they don't make anyone. You know what I'm saying. Uh, the Four Horsemen. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, the Four Horsemen resurface and are forcibly recruited by a tech genius to pull their most impossible heist yet. Uh, the Four Horsemen are also the name of Apocalypse's uh, henchmen in the X-Men movie, so that means in this in this uh, movie monologue, we actually have a total of eight horsemen, which is double the amount of horsemen that you really need. I think maybe that'll work its way into the title. We don't know. I'm going to type it out. Double horsemen. Just in case that might be in the title, you'll know if you are listening and read the title. Okay, uh, last uh, item up for bids the, uh, is Lost Soul colon The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. So, this is a movie about a movie. What? Uh, this is a movie that I've been hearing about 
seems like it almost feels like like once every week or two I hear someone bring this movie up. So I decided to finally uh, get it and watch it, and I enjoyed it. Uh, rating wise, I'd go. Jeez, you know what would be I would probably do, uh, and this is going to cause me to rate this four out of five. Is again maybe a couple years down the road road get this movie and the actual movie the island of dr moreau and uh watch them sort of back to back what would you watch first Ooh, that's a good question i think i would watch the watch this first because that way when you watch the island of dr moreau you'll know some of the behind the scenes stuff and you can sort of look at it from a different point of view yeah hey that's almost a good idea Today's television talk sponsor is the Secret Ingredient Brothel. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I have an entire series for you in that it's only been one season and a new season hasn't been made, so it's the whole series. Yeah, that's, that works, I think. Uh, the series is called Love. L-O-V-E, Love. Uh, it is a Netflix-created series, which seems to be all the rage these days. Although this one came out, does it say? No, it does say 2016. I thought it, maybe it came out last year. Anyways, let me read the IMDA. Maybe that'll tell something. A, uh, a program... <laughs> well, that's a weird... A program that follows a couple who must navigate the accelerations and humiliations of intimacy, commitment, and other things that were... That they were hoping to avoid. You know what's weird? I feel like that doesn't 100% do this justice. This is, I think, if you saw Master of None, which I spoke of on this podcast, similar in vibe in that it is a dark comedy with heavy tones of people trying to make relationships work, trying to find relationships uh, a relationship-heavy television show that appears on Netflix. So you still call it a TV show? Yes, I believe you do. Uh, the two main people uh, that you are sort of wondering if they'll get together, the sort of Sam and Diane, will they, won't they, uh, come in the form of Paul Rust and <laughs> Gillian Jillian Jacobs. I believe it's Gillian. It's not Jillian Jacobs, even though it looks like you would say Jillian. Uh, yeah, so uh, love these two together. Uh, oh, it also has Cl uh, Claudia O'Doherty, Jordan Rock, Tracy Tom. Uh, l let's just say that if you, like me, are a lover of comedy, you will, over the course of this, see so just incredibly many familiar faces from the comedy world, from podcasts. Uh, maybe even from podcasts in particular. Uh, Gillian Jacobs, Claudia, uh, Claudia O'Doherty, just as an example from Comedy Bang Bang. So, hey there, hi there, great there. Uh, watch this with the misses, obviously. Um, hard to find something that we're both going to like. So, 
Uh, I kind of had to talk her into it, as I often do. <laughs> uh, we do this thing where I hear about something good that uh, most likely we would both like. I say, why don't we watch this? She says no. And then I have to kind of coerce her, bribe, slash threaten, slash uh, manipulate her into watching a show like this. Uh, the easiest way I can go about doing that is to get someone, anyone, any human being, not even necessarily a human being, any sentient, able to communicate being to tell her that she would like it other than myself uh, and then we will watch it. Uh, she, I didn't get her rating, but uh, I would assume it is probably as high as a 4 or a 5. She really, really liked it. I loved it. Huh? Loved? Loved it? Didn't pun is that a pun no no is that a joke at all is, is, did anything funny happen there i don't think so five out of five i will give it highly highly recommend uh it's got that sort of dark i already mentioned dark comedy vibe uh one thing i wanted to mention and this is a spoiler and my only spoiler so far really so doing pretty good uh this is the type of show where the ending and this, this is very spoilerly, obviously, if we're talking the ending. Uh, the ending could easily, uh, in fact, even probably end badly for this uh, quote-unquote couple. Uh, it could just explode and then the show would be over and it wouldn't be surprising if that happened. In fact, my money, such as it was, uh, was on the fact that this would end poorly uh, in, in a sort of very, very dark final moments of the show sort of thing. Uh, I will say that that is not what happened. <laughs> there was, in fact, a happy ending. I, I won't say any more than that, that other than the fact that it's a happy ending. Uh, but this is sort of the very first time I can ever remember a happy ending that I was surprised about. Uh, normally what happens is you'll get a happy ending and you saw it coming the whole time. Here... I don't know if this has ever happened to me before. I saw a unhappy ending coming and was greeted with a happy ending. Uh, talk a lot on this podcast about how tend to give higher ratings to things that surprise me. Uh, plots that I don't see the resolution coming. Which, unfortunately, is not as often as I would like. So this had the double sort of whammy of being a surprise to me and happy. So very much appreciate that uh the ending of this therefore gets a six out of five what five out of five for the show six out of five for the ending looks like they're making another season uh the ending was so good i would be happy to leave it where it is but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring back the next season don't you worry Today's book banter sponsor is M-O-O-N Spells Moon Lunar Daycare. Thank you. Deep pull. Uh, okay, so uh, we're talking the, the Kinsman? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it is too. For some reason I thought it was wrong. Uh, sorry, uh, we're here talking the Kinsman Saga. 
which is not much of a saga in that it's only two books. Uh, that being said, I didn't know this was two books. I read them both together in ebook format, and there was no sort of indication that it was two books because it was a little long, but it wasn't crazy long. Uh, anyways, I don't know why I said any of that. It is not important to anything at all. Uh, okay, so rating-wise, let's just start with that, unprofessionally. Um, I'll probably go a solid, very, very, very solid 4, with some potential 5s, and some potential got a little boring 3s, but not very many. Closer to 5 than to 4. Jesus Christ, I give convoluted ratings, and that is why you love me, presumably, or hate me even more, presumably. Okay, let me see uh, the, the Goodreads has to say. Uh, hero or killer? Oh, that's interesting. In a startling future that's coming closer every year, Chet Kinsman is a astronaut ace who has done everything in space, including committing the first moida. He also had sex there, actually. The first person to have sex in space. Uh, it's a secret he can never escape. Not even on the moon, where he's where he's head of the very first lunar. Oh my God, the first U.S. lunar colony. But suddenly, oh oh my, a series of shocking yet strangely inevitable circumstances. <laughs> That's a weird sentence. Uh, forces Kinsman to confront his hidden past and decide Earth's destiny. Uh, okay, yeah, so that sums it up pretty well. Uh, so basically, we've got this astronaut dude who, uh, not accidentally, but almost so, uh, ends up committing the first space murder. Uh, this whole book revolves around the tension between the U.S. and Russia uh, during the Cold War. So when was this written? It was written, I think, during the Cold War. It must have been, right? Yeah, 1987. So that that sort of makes perfect sense. Uh, and this book takes place in the future from the point of view of 1987, but in actuality, uh, it takes place at the millennia, so the year 2000, uh, which always has some interesting things. Something that the author, uh, Ben Bova, who I've read a couple of his books, I'm sure I've spoken of him in various book segments before, very, very big fan of his, does amazing sci-fi, this included, uh, something he did well that can go awry is he wrote this in 1987 to appear to be in the year 2000. Now, we don't have a lunar, uh, a lunar colony. Some of the technology and stuff that have happened in this book don't exist, but he does it in such a way that it's not ridiculous. It's not worth... It's not the year 2000 and we're beaming all over the place and eating pills for every meal and stuff of that nature. He makes it believable. It has much more a stronger feel to a, uh, what the hell do they call it, alternate history. Yeah, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. So it's not even so much a sci-fi feel as what if the events of the Cold War went a little differently, and not even that much differently, the way he explains it well. Uh, maybe things would turn out this way instead of how they actually turned out, which is Russia sort of, well, what Russia is now, which is not not the nicest in terms of a country and what they do and 
but Russian people, there's such thing as nice Russian people. I don't think we can... Yakov Smirnov, huh? For example. Huh? Uh, yeah, so uh, that's all I gotta say because we're out of time and I'm sticking to the timer. I uh, would recommend it if you like sci-fi or alternate history stuff. Today's Game Gabin segment is the Gnome Bard Pediatric Musical Instruments. Okay, you weirdo. Uh, Alright, so something interesting brewing and has brewed. Uh, Well, first and foremost, let's just uh, gloss over the fact that I did finish the Fallout Nuku World DLC, the last sort of two areas of the park. Uh, if you listened to last episode, you know we'll know exactly when I'm talking about it. Uh, Nuka Cola World DLC as a whole, give a solid four or five. I don't know. It was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'll, I might go back to it. I don't know. Uh, l- let me just say that, as far as that is concerned, I made a decision into it to not side with the Raiders and kill them all, which maybe closed some of my. Uh, storyline things that could have happened. I don't know. Like, like I, I helped them a lot, but then they started talking about like invading the rest of the world, basically. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think I want to take you guys and kill everyone on Earth that is left over. So I'm gonna kill you all instead. Anyways, uh, so let's leave that at that, and instead say. I have made my first foray into the world of. Uh, D&D, a.k.a. Dungeons & Dragons. It's been a long time coming, folks. Uh, If you've listened to many of these episodes, you will realize that uh, without even having played Dungeons & Dragons, uh, it is quite obviously something that would be up my alley from all the D&D podcasts I've spoken of, all the various nerdy shit that is Nerdcane Adventures, from Hell Doing a Podcast, from just about every aspect of my goddamn life and personality has led me down a path where playing Dungeons and Dragons makes a perfect logical sense. So, the fact that it took me years to actually find people to play with uh, has been a bitter, bitter disappointment. Uh, as, as I've uh, said to the people who I am now playing with, I do have friends, I do love them dearly, Uh, It's just there's not really a goddamn nerd among them. So uh, I had to go outside my normal friends in order to find a game. Although, to be fair to them, I never really even asked them. I just assumed that they would have no part of it. Uh, So maybe that's not fair on my part. Anyways, uh, what I did was uh, posted an ad on uh, Kijiji, which is like the, I think, Canadian version of Craigslist, uh, looking for a game. Uh, Like, Within the last couple of months, I've been more and more serious about trying to find a game. Uh, I've had sort of a... My desire has strengthened. Uh, Within a day or two, I had someone respond. Uh, Long story short, we had our very first game last weekend. And uh, it went well. Got my character all set up. Uh, We had our first sort of trial adventure uh, this coming weekend. 
uh, have our initial start into the real full thing, I guess you might say. Uh, and uh, I'm excited. A uh, great bunch of guys. Uh, kind of interesting just from a, a interesting standpoint. Uh, as already mentioned, actually, I'm a 35-year-old dude. Uh, these guys, all younger than me, like in their 20s. Uh, so uh, I'm sure that's fine. Whatever. What does age have to do with a love of nerdy shit? Not really anything. That's why... It's sort of the great equalizer. Nerddom. Young, old, man, woman, black, white, uh, purple. <laughs> what if people throw that in? Uh, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're sharing a passion for a thing, that's all that you really need. Okay, so uh, I thought what I would do is just read my character backstory because it is pretty good, I think, for the first character I ever created. Okay, so uh, I am playing a gnome bard. His name is Wee Red Owl, and he plays a accordion. Huh? I feel like I have to say it just in case. Uh, Weird Owl, Wee Red Owl, accordion. Okay. He's chaotic neutral, and this is his backstory. <sighs> oh, we're out of time. No, just kidding. I'm pausing. Fuck it. Uh, we Red Al was your typical happy gnome child. His parents were both bards and ran a library of stories. Bards would come from far and wide and peruse the stories and even deposit a story of their own. One day, ooh, ominous, one day a group of religious zealots appeared in town and burst into the library. They called themselves the Auditors and started pulling books and parchments off the shelves and began piling them in the town square. All the while, they spewed forth their crazy doctrine that only religious texts should exist. A young wee red owl watched helplessly as his parents tried to fight back. It happened so quickly that it took years for him to even believe that it was possible, but somehow his parents ended up on top of the pile. A torch appeared in the leader's hand as if by magic. Wee Red Owl has etched into his brain the tattoo of a burning book that was on the wrist attached to the hand that lowered the torch to light the pile and his parents. At this point, Wee Red Owl ran and ran until he could not run no more. <laughs> it was days later before his mind cleared enough to realize what had happened and he awoke as if from a deep sleep in a big, fluffy pink bed. From this point until he decided to strike out on his own, he was raised by the ladies of Madame Moxie's booby bar, where he had ingrained in him a deep love of women and booze, thus making the triforce of his life, books, booze, and broads, none of which he can easily resist. Also, he has a red accordion that may be magic, but probably isn't. Internet Intercourse sponsor is Cut Degrass Tyson Lawn and Garden. Thank you for that. 
Okay, uh, so first item is Neil deGrasse Tyson on the Adam Corolla podcast, as well as uh, on Nerdist. What I think has happened is that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who lives in New York, who is the... Shit, what is he? Works for the Planetarium. I I forget what his title is exactly. Anyways, one of the head dudes, or the head dude at the Hayden Planetarium... Uh, I think occasionally he will find his way to the West Coast. Yes, California. Uh, and when that happens, he'll uh, do a bunch of press. Uh, most, uh, not most, but a lot of that press will involve going on podcasts because, if you didn't know, a lot of podcast folk are out in uh, La La Land, including Chris Hardwick and Neil deGrasse Tyson. So. Uh, this is a bonus for us because not only do we get uh, our favorite podcast, but we get uh, one of, if not the most famous astrophysicist in the world to come and spew nerdy things into our ear holes, which is a goddamn delight. Uh, something he said during, I forget, <laughs> as you can imagine, these two interviews are melded into my brain a little bit. Uh, something I loved from the Adam Carolla one was just sort of the sheer, like, childlike delight of having him there uh, and being able to ask him questions, uh, that Adam and Gina and Bald uh, all exhibited. Uh, that's just great to see because it's what I think a lot of us would do. Uh, when he was on The Nerdist, uh, they're not on the, uh, I don't know if anyone's on the same level as an astrophysicist other than another astrophysicist, but I think Chris Hardwick, with his background, knows a little, knows a thing or two about the physics, so uh, they're able to maybe get a little deeper than they were on Adam Corolla. Both interviews, great, both for different reasons, both with the same guests, so really just an incredible thing to see uh, how two podcasts with the same guests can be different and yet equally awesome. So thank you to all of you folks. It was good. Uh, next is Funhouse. Oh yeah, I haven't brought back Funhouse in a bit. Oh no, uh, Twits and Crits, I think I brought that back. Uh, I think I've mentioned this on, and like to mention it every time Funhouse comes up. Uh, one of the few YouTube... Uh, podcasty whatever things from the interweb the creators that I watch all of their stuff so whatever video they post on YouTube I watch every single one whereas with with some others maybe I'll sort of pick and choose ones that look to be up my alley Uh, so that is a I hope a good compliment Uh, this one was interesting because they played uh, World of Tanks and they were paid to play which uh, is, is sort of a fascinating thing um uh, if, you, if you're even remotely interested in the world of gaming, and probably even if you're not, you will likely have heard of the world of tanks, since they uh, they must have an advertising budget of a Brazilian dollars, because just everywhere you look, they advertise. So uh, I, I'd, I'd never played it. I've been curious about it because of the ad- advertisement. It did, after watching the guys and Elise play it it looked like it would be some fun so uh something i like about it is that uh these guys creating content that i like and laugh at uh are able to make a video like this and get paid for it uh i think a lot of people might 
say, oh, these guys have sold out, which is a ridiculous thought. Like, they need to get paid. If you like what they do, you you want them to get paid so they keep doing it, do you not? Now, if you don't like them, why are you watching the video in the first place, you friggin' weirdo? Uh, yeah, so uh, nice that they can make a video that was funny and they're going to make some money on. Not that they wouldn't make money on a YouTube video with enough hits anyway. I don't know how that whole thing works. Anyways, let's move on to the next item. Uh, Jeff Upworthy's You Might Be a Millennial If. Oh yeah, this was good. Uh, from another thing I don't think I've spoken of in a while, and that is Funny or Die. Uh, yeah, see, look, I subscribe to them on YouTube. I don't watch every single video they post. I just watch the ones that look interesting. And this one did, because it has the comedian Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, uh, he's a comedian. People people like him. He's not exactly my cup of tea. Some of his You Might Be a Redneck stuff, uh, you know, it's, it's funny stuff. There, there's good jokes in there. Uh, this was interesting. It was, uh, you might be a millennial F, and he was sort of dressed to hide the fact that he is not a millennial. You know what I find fascinating is somehow I am a millennial. Like, the cutoff, if you Google it, like, what ages are millennials, I think it's eight, 1980, which, uh, I certainly don't feel like a millennial. Uh, anyways, uh, so, uh, he's got some good bits in this as well, and I recommend you watch it. Okay, the final item is fucked up. Period. Uh, Dinner with Friends, with Brett Gelman and Friends, is the title, which, right off the bat, pretty good. Uh, apparently this was on, uh, what is it, not Nick at Night. <laughs> Nick at Night, I'm an idiot. Uh, uh you know what, I'm gonna click on it, but, uh, Adult Swim. Oh shit, it's going to start playing now. No problem. Uh, yeah, so uh, this was like a show, an adult swim. Uh, I assume it was like a one-off. Like, uh, like I don't think it was an ongoing series. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, basically, it was Brett Gelman, who I've uh, been seeing a lot of lately, which I like because I love him. Uh, super, super funny dude. Super weird dude. Uh, one of the greatest uh, comedic angers in the business. <laughs> he can get comedically angry and a little frightening better than, I think, just about anyone. So uh, for that reason alone, he deserves some applause. Uh, and here, he, <laughs> the show's as if he invited a bunch of famous people over for dinner. Uh, and then shit gets weird. You know what? I'm not even going to say anything. As you heard, we're already out of time. The only thing I will say is that one point, uh, Gilbert Gottfried is murdered. Folks, that's it for now. It is nice to be nice to the nice. R.I.P. Gilbert. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. 
I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.